Nigel stood there with his jaw hanging open, staring at Aspen, who proceeded to jump off the roof and glide away with the key dangling from his foot. Nigel, you all right? The corners of Nigel's mouth slowly turned up into an awestruck grin. By Jove, I believe I have an idea. We don't need a tower or a steeple. He looked at Cato. All we need is a kite. Welcome to the Epic Order of the Seven, the podcast, with your hosts, Max, Liz, and Nigel. This podcast is produced by Playful World Ministries, a department of ACT International. All of the Epic Order of the Seven characters and adventures were created by and written by Jenny L. Cody. And I'm your narrator, Denny Brownlee. By the way, as you listen to this episode from the audiobook The Voice, The Revolution, and the Key, keep in mind you can download your very own copy of it by visiting audible.com. That's www.audible.com. And you'll find the entire collection of Jenny L. Cody's Epic Order of the Seven books by going to her website, epicorderoftheseven.com. Today's episode features Chapter 24 from The Voice, The Revolution, and the Key, and some unique little critters that give Nigel a run for his money. Later on, in lieu of Jenny's corner, I'll be filling you in on where Jenny is and what she's doing. It's almost like she's in a secret cave for writing, like a secret writing cave. But what is she writing? Well, right now, that's a secret. In a few minutes, it won't be. And we'll even hear from a couple of our young listeners who have some really cool things to say. And right now, here's your hosts, Max, Liz, and Nigel. Once again, greetings, lads and lasses, and welcome to the podcast. Uh, Nigel? Uh, he be on announcer lads' phone. Why is Nigel on my phone? Oh, we oui, look, he actually is on Monsieur's phone. Hey, it's bigger than Mosey, so it's not like he can hold it up to his ear. Uh, yes, Agatha? Well, it is good to hear from you, old girl. Liz, who's Agatha? Agatha is his big sister. Big sister? <laughs> I doubt she's all that big. Wait, she lives in England, right? He's calling overseas on my phone? Hi, lad. Uh, standard rates may apply. Indeed. Uh, uh, how's Arthur and the uh, children? I say busy, you say, what? Oh, you're, you're renovating the hole? The hole what? Oh, the, the whole hole. Ah, yes, the old family mouse hole, right? So, you're adding an extra wing? Because you need the space with all the children who are getting in the way. Well, of course now, we certainly wouldn't want the little tykes to get hurt. Ah, oh, you say the little ones want to come visit their Uncle Nigel, do they? Oh, I bet they are very cute little mossies. If you be liking that sort of thing. Well, I say that would take the biscuit. Uh, but, uh, my dear sister, uh, this can be quite the busy time for us to... Um, oh, you, you say they are flying over stateside. And uh, when are you planning for this monumental airborne excursion? You've already planned it. <laughs> well, then, uh, let me check my schedule. And... Oh, you say they are already on the way here. Well, then. Oh, won't this be a nice reunion? I don't know. Won't it? Well, uh, um, Agatha, how did you manage... By seagull, you say? Well, well, surely one seagull did... I wasn't calling you, Shirley. Uh, certainly, Agatha, one seagull couldn't possibly carry all... 
An entire flock of seagulls? Well, then, uh, <laughs> oh, goody, <laughs> uh, uh, what time will they be departing? Last Tuesday. <gasps> Did you hear that, Max? Uh, with me keen canine sense of hearing? Oh, oui, of course, pardon, <laughs> silly me. So they're all coming to see the Uncle Nigel, huh? All of them. Well, well I say, uh, uh, lucky me, huh? <laughs> uh, when shall I expect all of your little tykes to make? Oh, dear. Well, Agatha, dear girl, I rather owe you one, don't I? Nah, yes, indeed. Cheerio, ta-ta, and all that. Well, then, who wants to answer the door? Oh, I will get it. Uh, no, uh, uh, that is... Uh, no, thank you, Liz. I, I think not. Uh, uh, being greeted by a cat may not exactly be prudent. <laughs> Aye, it'll scare the pants off them, then. Well, they're mice. They shan't be wearing pants. But your point is well taken, old chap. Oui, je comprends. I shall hide inside a basket or a small box or something. Uh, right. And I shall make haste in greeting the little scallywags. Hey, uh, no, sir, lad. Uh, Danny. Aye, Max. Uh, looks like we get to sit back and just enjoy the show, then. <laughs> Greetings, all you fair young travelers. Uncle Nigel. Uh, Huzzah, indeed. Huzzah! 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 Good heavenly days, then. How many wee mousies are there, mousie? Well, alphabetically speaking, there would be uh, Alfred, Basil, Clive, Desmond, Ewan, Felix, Graham, Harrison, Ian, Jasper, Kenton, Liam, Malcolm, Nelson, Oliver, uh, Percival, Quincy, Reginald, Simon, Terence, Ulrich, Virgil, Winston, Xavier, Yule, and Zachary. Ah, that'd be a bunch of... And then, of course, there are the girls. Uh, Amelia, Beatrice, Clarissa... No, no, Daphne, that'll do, Mousy. I think we got the idea. There'll be a bunch of wee mousies and... <laughs> hey, no, let's behave. Let's settle down then now. Uh, 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 settle. Uh, Mousy, do something. Oh, dear. I'm afraid my sister Agatha is not much of a disciplinarian. Uh, Malcolm, uh, Reginald, uh, I say, Desmond, get down from there. I say, announce a chap, uh, uh, do something. Me? They're not my nephews. Uh, guys, come on, get off my laptop. Uh, get off my lap. Uh, Food! Uh-oh, Max, they're going for your doggy dish. What? Oh, no, you do Not me kibbles. All right. No, then. How would you wee lads and lasses like to hear a story? Yay! You can hear a story if you stay quiet then. And if you don't, I have me ways of changing your mind. And you won't like it as much as a story. I say, Max. Well done, old chap. Brilliant. Uh, now, announce a fellow. Uh, Denny. Oh, Nigel. Uh, pleasure. Uh, how about a little chapter 24? What? Indeed. Chapter 24. The Key to Our Shukshesh. Philadelphia, June 4th, 1752. Nigel shook his head as Cato circled over the city, sighing at the spireless skyline of Philadelphia. The mouse told the eagle, I have grown just as impatient as Mr. Franklin. Two years have passed, and still no steeple or tower has been erected to test his theories on lightning. Maybe they will figure out how to do the experiment in Europe, 
Cato suggested. That is the hope, old boy, but it would be a dreadful travesty for the scientist not to experience the thrill of seeing his brainchild delivered by his own hands, Nigel lamented. He saw Benjamin Franklin locking the front door of the Pennsylvania State House, having finished his business for the day, evidently the last man to leave. He had been elected to the Pennsylvania Assembly and was given a key to the State House, which he slipped into his coat pocket. Please set us down on the State House roof, Cato. Cato pulled back his wings to come in for a landing. Nigel hopped off the eagle's back and started pacing back and forth. Let's go over this again from the top. Right, we've scoured the countryside for anything that could work as a tall tower, and all we found were trees. These, of course, are easy for us to reach upon your eagle wings, but unless Benjamin Franklin grows wings of his own, he cannot reach the top of a tree to install his lightning rod. He lifted a hand to point to the eagle. Although you have bravely suggested flying with metal in your talons, there is the issue of your safety, as well as Mr. Franklin not observing the experiment close up, as it would be conducted by the animal kingdom on his behalf. At that moment, a green lizard went running by Cato and Nigel across the roof, followed by something that swooped over them, causing them to duck. "'Wow!' Cato said, lifting his wing. "'What was that?' Nigel looked all around them on the roof and saw nothing. "'I say, I have no idea.' Suddenly the green lizard came darting back toward them, and Nigel could see that in his mouth he carried a small key attached to a string." "'I say, whatever are you doing?' Nigel demanded as the lizard almost ran into him. "'Can't explain,' the lizard answered through gritted teeth. It looked up in the air over him, and Nigel turned his gaze upward to see what was after the little reptile. A flying squirrel came barreling into Nigel, and together they went tumbling across the roof. "'Sorry, little mousie,' the flying squirrel exclaimed with a pronounced whistle through his teeth. "'Almost had that sneaky little monster!' He smiled widely and held out his paw to help Nigel up. Nigel couldn't help but grin at the adorable, funny, brown-and-gray striped squirrel. He had unusually large, round black eyes, round ears, and large buck teeth. "'I'm Abraham Samuel Penn, but you can call me Ashpen for short. That's A.S. Penn. See how I did that with my initials? Clever, huh?' Nigel took Aspen's paw and stood to his feet, preening his whiskers to regain his composure after being assaulted by a flying squirrel with a speech impediment. "'Well, Abraham, Samuel Penn, uh, Aspen, I am Nigel P. Monaco, and this is my colleague, Cato.' Aspen saw the bald eagle and hid behind Nigel, who wasn't much larger than the tiny squirrel. "'He won't eat us, will he?' <laughs> "'Of course not, old boy,' Nigel replied with a chuckle. We're on a mission for the maker, so rest easy, little guy, Cato added. I promise not to eat you. Aspen smiled, showing his pronounced teeth. That's a relief. The maker, you say? Huh, that's big stuff. Nigel had to withhold a giggle. Just listening to the squirrel was enough to make him want to burst out laughing. <laughs> Indeed, why are you chasing the green anole lizard? Me and Leonard like to play hide-and-seek and stuff, Aspen replied. He's hiding, so I'm seeking. Cato and Nigel looked at one another and had to quickly look away to muzzle their mutual mirth. Cato's feathers shook from his silent laughter, 
Nigel wiped away his tears of amusement and cleared his throat with a broad smile. <laughs> I see. Uh, well, we don't wish to keep you from your game. Suddenly, Leonard came running by again. Ha ha, you'll never get the key. Says you, Aspen replied, running quick as a flash up to the top of a stack of crates where he jumped and spread out his arms to reveal his wings. He soared over the running lizard, spread out like a white flying square with a tail. His silky skin flaps stretched from his wrists to his ankles, and he wiggled his hands and feet in opposite directions to control his descent. His feathered tail helped him steer until he landed directly on top of the lizard, wrapping himself completely around his little green friend. Gotcha! Together, the tiny friends started laughing and rolling around the roof. Aspen finally let the lizard go, and Leonard held up the key by a string. You win. Let's play again. What does the key go to? Cato asked. Some old shed in a field, Aspen answered, picking up the key and twirling it in the air. Nigel stood there with his jaw hanging open, staring at Aspen, who proceeded to jump off the roof and glide away with the key dangling from his foot. Cato nudged him with his yellow beak. Nigel, you all right? The corners of Nigel's mouth slowly turned up into an awestruck grin. "'By Jove, I believe I have an idea. "'We don't need a tower or a steeple.' "'He looked at Cato. "'All we need is a kite.' "'Field Outside Philadelphia, June 6, 1752. "'Twenty-one-year-old William Franklin "'held on to his hat against the blustery wind "'and looked up into the darkening sky.' He carried a thin metal wire and a laden jar, a container to collect electrical charges. Father, it appears as if the weather is cooperating, but why are we coming out here in the middle of nowhere? Benjamin Franklin walked briskly ahead of his son, looking around them to make sure no one was about. If we're going to fly a kite, we need an open field. And as I wish to keep this experiment a secret for now, you and I shall be the only witnesses. In his hands, he held a kite made from a silk handkerchief with two cedar cross sticks. On the top of the upright stick, he had attached a sharp 12-inch pointed wire. Silk twine was tied to hold the kite, and at the end of the twine was attached a silk ribbon. And on the silk ribbon dangled the key to the Pennsylvania State House. Cato and Nigel flew above father and son. This storm is intensifying, observed Cato feeling the drop in temperature. It won't be safe for us up here much longer. Agreed, my good fellow, Nigel answered, looking up at the angry skies. Once they enter the shed, you may land atop the roof. Why do they have to stand inside to fly the kite? Cato asked. Because the silk ribbon must remain dry to act as an electrical insulator so the current may be gathered into the key, Nigel explained. If you say so... Cato answered with a grin. Science is not my gift. How did you help Franklin figure all of this out with the kite and the key? It took some doing, but the old boy figured out the pieces he needed with a few simple clues placed on his desk. Nigel answered, preening his whiskers proudly. A clap of thunder sounded, and Benjamin and William hurried to the shed. Quickly, help me launch the kite before it starts to rain. 
Benjamin ordered as he gave the kite to William, who held it in place while his father got the twine ready. He nodded, and William released the kite, which quickly lifted into the air. Benjamin smiled to see his homemade silk kite take flight. Get inside the shed and put the wire and the laden jar on the ground. He let the twine take the kite up higher to reach the swirling clouds. Drops of rain began to fall, and Benjamin backed into the shed. Now attach the wire from the key and stick it into the laden jar. William did as he was told, and together he and his father stood in the doorway of the shed. Now what? We wait, Benjamin replied. Rain began to splatter Nigel's spectacles as Cato landed on the roof. Oh, bother, the mouse exclaimed, removing his spectacles and squinting. I shan't be able to see a thing. Cato smiled and lifted his wing to shelter Nigel. Here, Nigel, get under my wing. Nigel scurried under the eagle's outstretched wing and wiped the rain off his spectacles onto Cato's silky feathers. He replaced his spectacles and smiled broadly. Brilliant! Thank you, old boy. I shall be able to see everything beneath the shelter of your wing. You're welcome. Now what? inquired Cato, ducking his head under his wing with Nigel. We wait, Nigel answered. The wind picked up and started blowing the rain, but quite a bit of time passed with nothing happening. Benjamin frowned. Perhaps this won't work after all, he thought, starting to despair. He gazed up at the storm clouds and thought back to God's riddling questions for Job. God in heaven, if it pleases you and in your goodness to mankind, please make lightning appear and cause it to strike my kite as you direct. Suddenly the kite lurched against Benjamin's hand. He looked down and saw that some of the individual strands of twine holding the soaring kite stood on end. Look, William, he exclaimed. He then moved his free hand close to the key and felt a mild shock against his knuckle. He quickly pulled back his hand and shook it. It's working! It's working, Nigel cheered. He ran to the edge of the roof and peered over the side as the rain now began to drench the twine. He could see sparks starting to stream from the key to Franklin's hand. Huzzah! It's working indeed, father, William cheered, gripping his father's shoulder as the electrical charges filled the laden jar. I knew it! I knew lightning had to be electricity! Benjamin exclaimed excitedly. He looked up at the heavens. Thank you! for helping me to solve your riddle. While the men shouted their huzzas below, Cato chuckled at the exuberant little mouse dancing on the rooftop with his rain-splattered spectacles. Now it's Nigel's turn to be high as a kite. <laughs> Thank you, Maker, for sending that funny-sounding, key-toting flying squirrel to knock me down, Nigel exclaimed with a jolly chuckle at the top of his lungs. He was the key to our success. <laughs> oh, Mosey, I bet that were a fun time then with the wee lizard and the flying squirrel. Indeed, uh, they were quite a pair, those two. Aye, and the best part is, there were only two of them. Uh, meanwhile, back here on Planet Moose, the natives be restless again, Mosey. 
And it's time for your Nigel's News Nuggets. Surely you can't be serious. I am serious, and don't call me Shirley either. But I haven't anything prepared. Just wing it then. Hey, I just took a boat, whatever comes to your wee little mind. But Max, and now it's time for another edition of Nigel's News Nuggets. Ah, uh, thank you ever so kindly, Max. Uh, Nigel P. Monaco here, and today we focus on the proliferate, uh, uh, proliferation of the common mus musculus, or house mouse. Well, indeed, near and dear to my heart, it is no wonder that while we may be small in stature, we are rather uh, large in numbers. Right. Uh, one factor is that we indoor mice generally live twice as long as our field-dwelling counterparts. Uh, then, factor that mating season continues throughout the whole year, times the average litter of six mice per, uh, times the ability to produce as many as ten litters in a year, and thus 60 mice in a family in a given year is not out of the realm of possibility. Oh yeah, it is until the general consensus is that we've had it up to here with mice. <laughs> oh dear. Uh, for Nigel's News Nuggets, I'm Nigel P. Monaco. Hey, you kids! Liam, get down from there! Uh, Oliver, stop chewing on that! Uh, uh, back to you, Max. I can't help you, Mousy. You're overrun with your wee nephews. Uh, all of you! Stop it, though! Stop it, I say! Bonjour, mes amis. And I use the term loosely. I am Liz. As you may have observed, I am of the feline species. Ah, oh, Liz, please. Uh, you're frightening them. Oh, don't worry, mon ami. I shall not hurt them. Uh, because I am so fond of your uncle, I will show a great restraint. Uh, but you do not want to test my limits. We have a message from a young listener today, who, unlike many of you, knows how to properly behave himself. Uh, Monsieur Announcer? It's de... Uh, uh, oui, madame? Would you play the recording from young Landon, s'il vous plaît? Uh, of course. Uh, Landon recently had some very kind words for Miss Jenny and, and really for all of us. Uh, so, Landon? Hey there, Mrs. Cody. I really enjoy your podcast. It's very funny, and I love to hear the first book all over again. And I really love Liz the most and how smart she is and how fierce Max is. I am on the fourth book of the Ethical Rules 7, and I enjoy it a lot. I hope that you come out with more books, and I love how much scripture you have in your books. I hope to read more of your books and to maybe read the whole series. So thanks so much. Bye. Wow, thanks for those kind words, buddy. We're so glad you're enjoying all of this. And by the way, Landon's brother, Liam, also wrote these very heartfelt words. He said, I need to be honest. I stopped reading your series for a time, but soon picked it up again. I was reading a book that did not mention God at all, and I felt myself grow far from him. I spent less time with him. But when I picked up your series again, I grew close to him again. Thank you, Miss Jenny. Your books have saved me from becoming far from God once again. Thank you. Oh, merci to you too, Liam, for being so honest. And to you, Landon, for your kind words, I am, uh, <laughs> I, I am honored that uh, you like me the best. <laughs> Merci beaucoup. And just so you know, Jenny answered Liam's letter back with a very cool response that she'd like me to pass along. She said, Hi, Liam. 
Thank you for sharing this with me. I appreciate your heart, and I'm glad the books serve to keep you close to God. Remember, the most important book of all to help you with that is the Bible. Remember when Max drifted from God on the ark? That's when Charlie was able to influence him. It's a good lesson for us all. Blessings, Jenny. Well, there you go, Liam. And those are great words for all of us, too. As much as we want you to read these books and listen to these audiobooks, we want to make sure you read God's Word first and foremost. So there you go, Liam. Great words for all of us from Jenny. Ah, uh, and speaking of great words from Jenny... I was just about to say... You mentioned Miss Jenny was perhaps lost in a secret writing cave? Well, figuratively speaking, she's working feverishly on her next book in this series. Oh, I didn't know she had a fever, too. I bet it's hard to write when you're sick, then. Again, figuratively speaking. But as you might guess, to write these full-length books with such depth and skill, it takes more than talent. It takes a lot of concentrated effort. Uh, I assume you mean without distractions? <laughs> uh, I can't imagine what that must be like. Basil, Simon, I say... Those are not considered edible. Oh, not my headphones. So, back to Jenny. What is the big project that she is working on? Well, it's the next story in the telling of America's Revolution. And it's entitled The Marquis, The Escape, and The Forge. I recognize the word Marquis. She must be writing about the Frenchman who did so much for the cause of liberty. Uh, the Marquis de Lafayette, about whom we shall learn a great deal in the coming episodes, no? But I say, uh, when does our author extraordinaire expect to be finished with this monumental and, and, dare I say, epic task? Well, the book is scheduled for completion in 2022. So, if you happen to be listening to this podcast and it's already 2022, go check out Jenny's website, epicorderoftheseven.com. Go to the Books tab and look for The Marquis, The Escape, and The Forge. And while you're there, check out all of her books, including the VRK study guide that corresponds with this season's podcasts of The Voice, The Revolution, and The Key. Because, see, we want kids to be both entertained and well-informed. You can find it all again on Jenny's website, epicorderoftheseven.com. Hey, Mosey, you should let your nieces and nephews go through the study guide, then. Uh, give them something constructive to do. Ah, that is a splendid idea, Max. Except, perhaps... Liz could be the instructor. Oh, Fabian. Yes, leave it to me, Nigel. Indeed, Liz. That is, provided your natural instincts don't allow the stress to, you know, take hold and cause you to do <laughs> something drastic. Oh, take heart, mon ami. I have no intention of laying a paw on your incredibly extended family. <laughs> well, that is indeed comforting to hear. Hey. So then, once the show's over and all, we can gather up all the wee mousies and send them a packin'. We, oui, uh, is a couple of hours, no? Well, <laughs> my pet, uh, uh, that, that's not exactly what we're up against. I'm afraid their return flight to London is not until a week from Tuesday. Pardon? They'll be here all week? But I say they shouldn't be any trouble at all. Oh, of course not. No, they, they are adorable. Hi! What a joy they are to be around, the wee precious little angels. <laughs> they are like little cherubs. <laughs> all right, all right. Another week here simply won't do. Oh dear, oh dear. Um, quick, announce a chap. It's Denny. Oh, that's hardly important now. It seldom is. Besides, uh, it's time to go, Nigel. But we have all these unresolved issues. Well, what do you suggest? 
In short, you're the announcer. Uh, provide us with some sort of cliffhanger, you know, to, to get us out of this episode. Oh, okay, right, Nigel. Something like this? What kind of mayhem will our hosts endure until the next episode? What kind of havoc will the wee little mice wreak? Can Nigel bring them under control? Can Max instill them with some discipline? And what will it take to keep Liz's natural feline instincts from taking over? Tune in again next time for Residential Rodents or Mice to See You. Once again, the Epic Order of the Seven, the podcast, is produced by Playful World Ministries, a department of ACT International. All of the Epic Order of the Seven characters and adventures were created by and written by Jenny L. Cody. And remember, you can download your very own copy of the audiobook, The Voice, The Revolution, and The Key, by visiting audible.com. That's www.audible.com. And you can find the entire collection of Jenny L. Cody's Epic Order of the Seven books by going to her website, www.epicorderofthe7.com. And I'm Denny Brownlee. Thank you for listening, and join us next time on the Epic Order of the Seven, the podcast. Have a grandi! A biento, mes amis! Huzzah! And ta-ta! Huzzah, Uncle Nigel! And always remember, you are loved and you are able.